When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could with things I've picked up along the way. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I try to answer some of our questions. And if you have questions, please let me know about them. Uh, In the early days of this podcast, I answered actual questions, and I got a lot of them. So please send me your questions through the app the Anchor app or runnermonk at gmail.com or Twitter, DVD Peters or Instagram, David Peters or some way like that. I think for Christians reading today's text or going to church or listening to the Christ the King text, we must acknowledge American Christians, we must acknowledge that we really have no idea what it's like to have a king. I've lived my entire life not subject to any monarch, as far as I know. We are in a vacuum of royalty in America. It's written into our Constitution that we do not recognize titles of nobility from elsewhere in our American government system. I think you can come here like Sir Elton John can perform and they can call him Sir Elton John, but ultimately in the American government, titles of nobility don't don't matter and are null and void. And this has been the case ever since our country was founded to really be a place where kings are not welcome. Um, some kings have fled here for safety and found welcome, but they start life not being a king. And this is the reality that we have that most of the readers of these texts would not have had if you were to go anywhere in the world uh, when these texts were written. And then thousands of years after that, hundreds of years, you would find people that knew what a king was because they had one or they had just had one. Now they had a queen or whatever was going on in their world was certainly not democracy the way we think about it. Even in democracies, we set people up to be our king. Uh, We do this. We have an innate urge to put someone on a pedestal and follow them, especially in times of hardship and war. Even the Greek democracies of the day recognized that you needed one person to lead if there was a war going on. And so in times of distress, conflict, we look to one person to fix our problems. And so we are not so far away from people that have monarchies today. Even though monarchies generally are stripped to their barest ceremonial duties, the fact that some countries still have them should remind us that The concept of king is not so far away from us. In fact, it is lingering under the surface. If you read or watch post-apocalyptic movies, you see how quickly uh, theoretical societies that emerge after a technological collapse, how they quickly have one person in charge, the strongest person. And this is the origin of kings. We seem to always kind of go back to that as people. And we have this showdown between the royal authority of Pilate in John 18 and the royal authority of Jesus. 
the creed that Christians say every Sunday, well, a lot of Christians do, Catholic, Christians, Orthodox, a lot of Protestants, but not most, most evangelicals don't do this, say the Nicene Creed. And one of the lines of the creed is he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate enters the creed. He is one of three humans in the creed. There is Mary, there is Jesus, and there is Pontius Pilate, the three humans. Three humans who have very distinct relationships between to God. Uh, Pilate's is unique in that he is responsible for crucifying Jesus. He was crucified under the authority of Pontius Pilate. And if you read the story in the Gospels, all four Gospels have Pilate being the last person to want to crucify Jesus. He tries to avoid the responsibility. He tries to release a terrible criminal, a murderer, that's going to murder more people and cause more dissension. He tries to release somebody, Barabbas, who the people do not want so that they will pick Jesus, but doesn't work. His wife has a dream that this man is innocent. Pilate knows he's innocent. And yet the wheels of justice or injustice grind on. And once a legal process starts, it is really hard to stop it. And this is the harsh reality of the systems of the world. The nature of systemic evil in the world is that it really cannot be stopped many times. When people say, that's not fair, that's not right, that seems wrong, but the wheels grind on, that's when people die and people are hurt. And that's when Jesus dies, when the wheels of Roman justice has, have to keep grinding. There's public demand. There is the fear of insurrection. All of this goes into the fact that Jesus must die, and Pilate is the one who makes that happen. But in this final showdown between Jesus and Pilate, this question of who is the king of the Jews comes up. Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? In John, Jesus says, do you ask this on your own or did someone tell you about me? This cat and mouse game that's being played. Pilate replies, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation, the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answers, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate says, so you're a king? And Jesus says, you say I'm a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. So the discussion about whether Jesus is a king is so vague that you're not really sure if Jesus is a king when the discussion is over. But when we read it, we see that Jesus is definitely saying, I am not your kind of king, Pilate. I am not Herod the Great. I am not Herod Antipas, his son. I am not Philip. I am not any other king that you've ever experienced. My kingdom is not of this world. This means that the values of the kingdom are different than the values of the Roman world and the Roman kingdom. And even the Hasmonean religious Jewish priestly kingly dynasty that was existing before Jesus was born, that kind of kingship is also not the kind of king 
that Jesus is. He is not Herod, the kind of King Herod has been, a tyrant despot who has secured his privileges and power from Rome, takes it out on his people. Jesus is not the Herod kind of king. What kind of king is he? He's a king not of this world. The values are different. The goal of the kingship is different. The goal of every king down through human history has been to preserve his own legacy and pass on his kingship to the strongest, most secure person. This has been happening the world over, and it's caused kings much many problems because often their sons are not ready for the responsibility. And so the preservation of the dynasty becomes their all-consuming uh, anxiety and labor. And yet, this is not what Jesus is here to do. Jesus' legacy and kingship and his dynasty is established by God. It has been here a long time. And so this is not an anxious king. He's not worried about these kinds of earthly matters. He is here because his kingdom is not of, not of, is not of this world. It is establishing a justice that is not part of our world. Even our best attempts at justice fall short. They do not quite capture what we imagine the feeling of justice will be. If you've ever been involved in a criminal case where you were the victim or someone you loved were the victim, you'll know that even the harshest penalties that our courts give out do not meet the needs of human beings when we're faced with needs for justice. This kind of kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus will bring, will do this. This is what he was born to do, to testify of the truth. His throne will be a cross. The court of his kingdom will be those who mock and spit at him. And yet there is one, the thief next to him, who turns and says, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turns and says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Well, no one could see the king that day, only one guy could, and that was the thief. The only way you experience the kingdom of Jesus is by realizing that you are the thief on the cross, that we are crucified with Christ, that all our attempts to take control of our lives find us pinned down, nailed down, helpless and hopeless. And we turn to Jesus and we say, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that is our prayer today. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.